Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to Riverwood Church. If I've not had a chance to meet you, my name is Aaron, uh, lead pastor for Riverwood, and uh, it is just really, really, really good to be with you this morning. Uh, before uh, I share a couple of uh, fairly important things, I uh, just want to run through uh, just a couple of quick announcements. Uh, if you are a first-time guest with us, hopefully when you came in, you got one of our handouts. Uh, we, we give those out to each family. Inside of that is a connection card. Um, everyone in our church family fills that out. We just tend to fill out the top line, and then we use the back for prayer requests or signing up for various things like when we're serving at the food pantry or, or other items. But um, if you are a first-time guest and willing to fill out the entire front of that card and just drop that in our giving box at the right by the door here or by the main door on the way out, we will donate $5 to Compassion International on your behalf. Compassion is an organization that has a goal of releasing children from poverty, and they do it in Jesus' name. They work through local churches all around the globe, uh, helping kids get an education, get some clothing, get some food. But most importantly, they help these kids hear about the life-changing gospel, which, was, which is what Riverwood is all about. Our hope and dream is that as, as we donate that $5 on your behalf, we might make that small difference in the life of a child. Because if we can impact a child, we end up impacting entire families. And if you end up changing enough families, you end up changing an entire community. And if you change enough communities, you change the world. And so if you're willing to fill that out, no one's going to arm twist you. We're not going to check you at the door to make sure you did it. But if you're willing to fill out the entire front of that card, mark that you're a first-time guest and uh, drop that in that box. We will happily get that $5 sent off to Compassion on your behalf. A uh, couple of announcements uh, for today. We are serving at the food pantry here in a few weeks. So you could go ahead and start signing up or use the link that is inside of your uh, handouts. Uh, Alex, what else do I have this morning? Uh, yeah, uh, if you're giving today, thank you very much. Just drop that in the uh, giving box, or you can give via text or do it online. I know I have one really big one, but I want to make sure I'm not missing anything else. Okay, uh, VBS, uh, we're participating with Orchard and Life uh, this year. It's going to be held June 26th through 29th. So kids, go ahead and bug your parents to have them register you. And then anyone and everyone who is above fifth grade... We'd love to help, help have you come and serve. I'm going to be helping do uh, some rec, uh, so you can come and, and uh, help me do games. You could be a, a kids group leader. You could help out with uh, food. Uh, we'd love for everyone in Riverwood to get involved. Uh, so even if you can't do all four nights, like I can only do three of the nights, even if you can't do all four, it's still worth signing up, letting them know here are the nights I'm available, because the nights you're available might help cover when someone else isn't available. So if you can help out in any way, shape, or form, again, anyone sixth grade and above, we would love to have your help and to make this an absolute win for the hundred so kids that will be involved uh, in the Waverly VBS. And then I think it's my big announcement next. Not last one. Oh, I didn't slip it in. Okay. Uh, that, that's my bad because I'm in charge of the slides. Um, so uh, coming up here in July, uh, I'm going to be taking, uh, Leanne and I together, we're going to be taking uh, Zion, Parker, and Caden uh, up to North Minneapolis to support uh, Patrick Ray, uh, our church planter who's planting Northside Neighborhood Church there in the North Minneapolis neighborhood. Uh, Patrick has asked us to come. Uh, what he wants our teens to do is to lead a backyard Bible study. So we're going to head up on Thursday the 20th. That night, he's going to lead them through this Bible study. And then on Friday, they're going to get to do this Bible study with a bunch of kids, great ages 6 through 11, maybe even a few teenagers, but primarily kids. And we're going to get all that time with them. And then it just so happens that they are participating with a neighborhood barbecue on that Saturday. So uh, the five of us are going to be serving at that barbecue that afternoon on Saturday and possibly also painting a fence uh, in the morning. And I asked Patrick, like, hey, do we need to, uh, you know, like bring some supplies or anything? And he says, well, actually, no, because we still have the money that Riverwood sent us 
that impact gift a few years ago. We did our impact Christmas impact gift towards them, and they still have some of that money there. So it's like, hey, we'd love for Riverwood people to get to help you know, use this Riverwood money and help paint this guy's fence. So we may get to uh, do that uh, as well. And then uh, on the 23rd, that's uh, Sunday, I'll be uh, preaching uh, there uh, while you guys have the uh, wonderful, awesome Ed Pavlik here to preach uh, uh, here. So, uh, but in order to make this happen, uh, we need to raise some money. Now, I want the boys to get the opportunity to have to do some fundraising. However, because it's Riverwood sending us, I would like Riverwood to get to be the first ones to participate in that. So we are looking to raise about just over $1,200. We need to rent a vehicle, paying the gas up there. We want no cost on Northside Neighborhood Church uh, on us. So it's to help pay for our meals, groceries, uh, all, all of that stuff. So if you would like to give, you can either uh, write a check and make sure you put youth mission trip in the uh, memo line, or you can do, if you do your giving online, uh, we created a, a in our drop down menu, instead of just the general fund, select the uh, youth mission trip uh, and uh, designate your amount there. And uh, I want you guys to have first dip. So we're going to give Riverwood about two weeks to give. And then what we still need to give, the uh, boys themselves are going to then go and uh, raise the rest of that as we also seek to uh, have uh, uh, prayer partners for that. So again, that will be July 20th through the 23rd as we go up to support Northside Neighborhood Church. Well, today, uh, I have three things that I'm just super excited for. Uh, number one, I'm just really excited to be with you guys. I just realized how much I love my Riverwood family, and it's just an awesome, awesome uh, privilege to get to be with you guys. And so that's number one. Number two, today is my anniversary. Uh, yeah, well, the, all the applause really needs to go to Leanne because she has said yes to me for the last 29 years. So we're 29 uh, this year, uh, and uh, it's awesome. We got to spend 29 hours together uh, Friday through yesterday. Uh, uh, went hiking up in uh, uh, Effigy Mounds and Yellow River. Uh, just had an absolutely wonderful time as we were sweating like crazy because it was super, super hot. Uh, but it was, it was a ton of fun. Uh, and she's down in uh, um, Cedar Rapids today supporting Salem. He is doing the Pigman Triathlon. Uh, I think they're about done, um, but she's down there supporting him. And then the third thing I'm really excited for is that you guys get to hear from my, my friend Ben Schmidt. Uh, Fifteen years ago, uh, this uh, really cool gal who I knew was part of the church, I knew her parents, her name was Jenna, and I found out that Jenna's engaged, and uh, she wants to get married at the church she grew up in, and uh, well, I'm the young adult pastor, so they get stuck with me. And they walk in and sit down on my couch, and I get to meet this Jenna and this Ben. And pretty soon, I just become really, really impressed with this young couple. Uh, ben, at that time, was just on fire for Jesus. He'd come to Christ while in college. He attended UNI, was on the football team, and God brought him there. He thought to play football, and instead it was to meet Jesus. And through there, Ben ended up becoming a youth pastor on staff at Prairie Lakes. And so when I moved back to uh, this area after our year in Kansas City and we started planting Riverwood, I was able to reconnect with Ben. And he started saying how, you know, he loved, you know, what he was doing, but really was feeling like God wanted him to work with FCA. And so I wasn't surprised when just a few years later, Ben became the area director for Fellowship of Christian Athletes of Northeast Iowa. And then through that, just reconnection, uh, that opened up some doors. So some of what I've been able to do at Wartburg is because of Ben. Uh, the, the stuff that they've been doing there at Wartburg uh, has allowed me the opportunity to just disciple some college students. And it has just been an absolute blast. And I've just loved it. And so I have been looking for an excuse to find Ben a way and a time to get here. And I've been trying and schedules just haven't worked out. And I was like, you know what? This is all the way back in November. I was like, my anniversary's on a Sunday. I might want to take Leanne away. 
I'm going to find someone, and the first person I'm calling is Ben Schmidt. Because my hope and prayer is that a little bit of the passion that he has for Jesus rubs off on you. Because if it does, we will be all that greater of a church. So would you please welcome Ben Schmidt. Thank you, thank you. A very kind introduction. Probably talked me up a little bit too much, um, but I certainly appreciate it. And uh, to think back on uh, what God has done over the past 15 years um, is absolutely incredible. I need some water just in case. (laughs) So to think about what God has done is, is pretty incredible. And yes, I remember sitting on that little couch in your office as we did some marriage mentoring, and uh, what a joy it was to, to learn and to grow and be refined um, as my wife and I stepped into marriage. So, um, but hey, good morning, Riverwood. Um, as I stepped in this morning, it was actually really neat to see some familiar, familiar faces. Like I, I saw a few familiar faces that I wasn't expecting, and so that was kind of cool. I was like, I don't really know anybody. I know Aaron, but um, it was neat to uh, make some connections. So, so we're going to jump in, but um, part of that story, right, is uh, really 18 years ago, is when I made the best decision of my life. And that's when I put my faith in Jesus Christ and surrendered my life to him. And, and then, yes, it was 14 years ago um, when I got to marry my wife. And uh, it was a wonderful day 14 years ago, and I'm still grateful um, for the ceremony um, that you did. And so, obviously, my wife and our boys are here. Um, actually, our, our oldest, our sixth grade one, he's like, yeah, I'll go back there. So he's back there hanging out and meeting some new kids. And so that's kind of cool. Um, five years ago, um, I joined the Northeast Iowa FCA staff. And... Uh, Man, what a joy it is to step into schools and onto college campuses to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, I get to share the gospel with coaches, with athletes, and so many others, and I love what I get to do, right? It's, it's sports and Jesus every single day, and that's a pretty sweet combination. So, and then, yes, when Aaron and I got to reconnect a few years ago, and then to have him on Warburg campus pouring into these student athletes, um, sharing the gospel with them, leading them through uh, scripture, that's pretty stinking awesome. And so, man, hearts are being changed. Hearts are being changed, students are growing, and God is at work uh, on that campus, and, and it's pretty neat to see. So I want to go back to that time uh, 18 years ago uh, when I was a freshman at UNI, and uh, God was doing an incredible work in me. Um, I was a biology major. I was going to be a dentist. Clearly God had different plans, all right, uh, as I'm in ministry now. Um, I did not complete the dental program. I probably would have failed out anyway, um, but I did stick with, I did stick with biology, um, I'm a bit of a science nerd, and so I remember sitting in my classes, the, the biology, um, the anatomy and phys, and um, genetics, chemistry, even took an astronomy class, right? These classes helped solidify my faith, because I often thought to myself, there's no way that all of this can just happen. Not a chance. No way at all. I, I, once again, in my science nerd br- brain, I think of the universe and how vast it is and has yet to be fully discovered. And I think about the earth being the, in the exact spot that it needs to be in order to sustain life. I think about of how intricately our bodies are, are put together. Um, the human body is absolutely incredible. Did you know that there is a little tiny cell adhesion, cell adhesion molecule in your skin called laminin, and it's in the shape of a cross? Look it up. That's pretty cool. That's not by chance, all right? So, um, so there's that, and even the human eye that has yet to be fully discovered, right? And so I think to myself, that doesn't just happen. That's design. There is a creator, and that creator is God. And if he can do these things, then surely he's capable of giving us Jesus, and surely he's capable of, of giving us his word. The Bible continues to be the most valid book in all of history. Prophecy alone proves the Bible to be true. And if God is who he says he is, 
And if his word are, words are tried and true, then what a wonderful blessing it is to open his word and hang on to every promise. So I begin by sharing these things because we get to, okay, we get to open God's word this morning. What a wonderful blessing that is. And specifically, I get to join you in your journey through the book of Acts. And so I would love to pray for us. And uh, then we're going to jump into chapter five. So let's pray. Father, what a joy it is to just know that your mercy is new every morning. We're so thankful that you love us way more than we deserve. And um, Jesus, we thank you for the cross. And we thank you for the power of your spirit in us and how you continue to grow us and refine us. And uh, Lord, what a joy it is to open your word this morning. Would you bless this time that we have together? I pray that you remove distractions. Um, I pray that we might be open to whatever it is that you desire to do in us and through us and around us. Let us come to you with open hands, saying, Lord, have your way. Teach me. Um, we give you thanks. We give you praise. And we give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're talking about obedience of the church. That's the focus of this section, obedience of the church. And so here in chapter 5, and we'll get there in a second, but we get to see these followers of Jesus who are choosing to walk in obedience. They're called to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ, to go and make disciples, and that's exactly what they're doing. They're being obedient. Just like me and you, though, they're not perfect, right? But they are taking steps of obedience to follow this Jesus who gave his life for them. And as we talk about the obedience of the church, you're going to hear me say the word obedience a lot. And so I'm kind of hoping that sticks today, maybe. But a few weeks ago, you were in the book of, or you were in uh, chapter 4, okay? In verses 23 through 30, there's a pretty powerful prayer from Peter and John. And so actually, if you want to go to Acts chapter 4, I'm going to read uh, verses 29 and 30. And it says this, and now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand for healing, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then in chapter 5, verse 12, begins to answer these prayers. So we're going to start there. We're, we're going to read the whole section. It's a long section, but we're going to read 12 through 42. We'd love our eyes to be in the Word. And so if you don't have your Bible out yet, go ahead and get a Bible and uh, join me in Acts uh, chapter 5 as we dive in this morning. All right. So <clears throat> starting verse 12, it says, Many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. They were all together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, but the people spoke well of them. Believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, multitudes of both men and women. As a result, they would carry the sick out into the streets and lay them on cots and mats so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. In addition, a multitude came together from the towns surrounding Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Then the high priest rose up. He and all who were with him, who belonged to the party of the Sadducees, they were filled with jealousy. So they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail during the night, brought them out, and said, Go and stand in the temple and tell the people all about this life. Hearing this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. When the high priest and those who were with him arrived, they convened the Sanhedrin, the full council of the Israelites, and sent order to the jail to have them brought. But when the servants got there, they did not find them in the jail. So they returned and reported, We found the jail securely locked and the guards standing in front of the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. As the captain of the temple police and the chief priests heard these things, they were baffled about them, wondering what would come of this. 
Someone came and reported to them, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple and teaching to the people. Then the commander went with the servants and brought them in without force because they were afraid the people might stone them. After they brought them in, they had them stand before the Sanhedrin, and the high priest asked, Didn't we strictly order you not to teach in this name? Look, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than people. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had murdered, by hanging him on a tree. God exalted this man to the right hand as ruler and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We are, written, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was respected by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered the men to be taken outside for a little while. He said to them, Men of Israel, be careful about what you're about to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed and came to nothing. After this man, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and attracted a following. He also perished, and all his followers were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. For if this plan or this work is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even be found fighting against God. They were persuaded by him. After they called in the apostles and had them flogged, they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and release them. Then they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of the name. Every day in the temple and in various homes, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Good section of scripture. That's a lot of verses. If you're looking for something to read this week, there's your section of scripture. Well, you can read it today or tomorrow or all week if you want to, okay? But dive in. We see here, let's go back to verses 12 through 19. We start to see answered prayer, right? Of the signs and the wonders and the healings and the miracles. The, these prayers are being answered. What a beautiful thing. In verse 12, it talks about the signs or mentioned signs and wonders. And then in verse 15, it talks about some falling into the shadow of Peter. That's wild. Literally, God was using Peter in his shadow to bring healing because he was doing it in the name of Jesus. They knew that and how powerful that is. That's incredible. And then the angel of the Lord in verse 19 shows up and just unlocks the door and says, hey, go preach. Go do this. And then, of course, if we were to fast forward to verse 38, it would say that, hey, if this is of God, you're not going to be able to overthrow them. It's going to continue. And so I love this because it's God's power on display. If he can create the universe, then surely he is capable of these things in Acts 5. It's not the strength of these disciples. They don't have superhero, right? Today's world, we got a lot of superheroes, okay? They're not superheroes. This is God's power through them. I often think that, man, there's no doubt in my mind that miracles and healings still happen, still happen today, regardless if we see them or hear about them. Now, I, I don't know um, if I would expect people to be healed when they stand in your shadow, um, but I suppose it's possible, Okay. Um, and so the first thing that I want us to recognize and be reminded of is, is God's power. This is God's power, and only he is capable of such signs and wonders. If we go on into verse 20 and beyond, these are the answered prayers for boldness. 
And I know that a while back you guys talked about the boldness of the church, and so I'm not going to sit here real long. Um, but what a great example in this section. They have boldness in the name of Jesus, teaching and proclaiming good news without reservation. They're just, they're just, they're just sharing it. That's what they do, right? They get persecuted, they just keep sharing Jesus. That's pretty darn bold. I love it. And so in this section, we see God's power and we see the boldness of these disciples. But as mentioned earlier, we're talking about obedience. Obedience. And so that's what we're going to dive into. But listen to this first. Listen to this first, is that we can't be obedient to Jesus unless we know Jesus. You can't be obedient to Jesus unless you know Jesus. And if Jesus is the only name by which we must be saved, right? That's Acts 4.12. There's salvation in no one else. If that's who Jesus is, then we need Jesus first. And I know Aaron does a great job in this place sharing the gospel. But I'm also a firm believer that, man, we can never share the gospel enough. Matter of fact, I, there's a, a guy who discipled me when I was in college who I'm still connected to, and, connected to. And he says often that, you know what? We need to preach the gospel to ourselves daily if we can. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves. Let's remind ourselves of what's been done on the cross. And so that's what I get to do is remind us of the gospel as we begin to talk about obedience. Because as much as I would like to think that everyone here today is a follower of Christ, a Christian, um, that's most likely not the case. Okay? I bet there's at least one. And if that's you, and if you're not a Christian, man, that's great. I'm so glad you're here. You're here for a reason and for a purpose. And God is already doing an incredible work in you. And that is a beautiful thing. But before we can learn to walk in obedience, we need to put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so Aaron already started to talk about it earlier, but my prayer for you today is that you would understand the power of the cross. That you would understand the depth and the beauty of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. The creator of the universe loves you. He loves me. He loves us. And Jesus paid the full price of your sin and of my sin on that cross. He bled for us. And of course, he didn't stay dead, but he rose again and he's alive. There's never been, a greatest never been a greater sacrifice and he willingly did it, willingly went to the cross. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We are saved by grace through faith in him. And I pray that you put your faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that you wouldn't just say you believe, but that he would be your Lord and your savior. He would be your firm foundation. He would be your everything. He would be truly your breath of life. And part of that, of course, is recognizing your sin, repenting of your sin, turning to Jesus. You too can make the best decision of your life like I did 18 years ago. And that decision could be today. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's a different day. But regardless, it's the best decision that you will ever make because when you put your faith in Jesus, you're made new. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. It's when you become a Christian or a Christ follower. And then you take steps of obedience to grow bold in the faith. Go with me to verse 29. 29 and 32. Verse 29 says that we must obey God rather than people. There's that word obey. And then 32, it says we are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Okay? And that first step of obedience when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, of course, is putting our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So obedience matters. And let us be reminded of this, 
I'm very aware that often the word obedience kind of comes with a little bit of a negative tone because we think of submission, right, or under someone else's authority. But I also think, man, if we have this great and mighty God and King, the creator of the universe that's perfect and he loves us, why wouldn't I want to submit to that, okay? I will gladly to submit to this perfect God who's forever faithful, who never fails regardless. And so we need to, and then beyond that, um, what I want us to know too is that there's blessing in obedience. There's blessing in obedience. God blesses obedience. But hear this though. This is not the prosperity gospel, okay? I'm not saying that everything's gonna be sunshine and rainbows when you choose to be obedient in Christ. Obviously, we see that in this section because these disciples are persecuted and thrown in prison, okay? That's not sunshine and rainbows. That's not really that exciting. But you know what? There's jo- they find joy because of who Jesus is, Okay? But as they walked in obedience, God did miracles, amazing miracles and healings, and he gave them boldness. And then honestly, we see this often throughout scripture of the reality of the blessing that comes from obedience. So I've been going through the book of Exodus personally. And so Exodus 19 even talks or shares a little bit of this blessing and obedience where God tells the Israelites, hey, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. God often reminds the Israelites of this blessing as they choose to follow him. But then, of course, we all know, if you've read some of the Bible, right, the Israelites, they follow their own desires and they choose disobedience and the things don't really go very well. So there's this picture of obedience and disobedience. Of course, Jesus gave us a great example as he walked in obedience to the Father. Luke 11 says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. John 15, 5 is a, is a famous one where it might... might um, hear the word abide or remain, which is really obey, right? Obey him and you will bear much fruit. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Romans 1 calls Gentiles, that's you and me, we're Gentiles. He calls Gentiles to obedience that comes from the faith for his name's sake. And then 2 Corinthians 10 says, take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. And there are many, many more. Those are some of my favorites. So obedience matters. I think that's pretty clear that God desires obedience. And ultimately it's about the posture of our heart. He wants and he desires our heart before the action, right? It's easy to put on the face. It's easy to, you know, serve or whatever. But if our heart's not in obedience with him, then there's a disconnect. So in all this, we can clearly see that the church, body of Christ, followers of Christ, were called to obedience, called to obedience in him. And so here's what obedience might look like. And I often, as I share this first one, here's what I think about. I think of Christian cliché because it's pray, right? Hey, if you just go home, you pray about it, everything's gonna be okay. You just go pray, you'll be fine. No, but legit, pray. If God, can act, if God can answer prayers back then for these disciples, disciples, there's no doubt in my mind that he can still answer prayers today. And he does. We can't doubt that. But let's pray to walk in obedience. And it's not going to happen just because we want it to or just because we hear it in a message at church today, right? But if we would go before the Lord, if we get on our knees and we seek and pray for obedience, that he would teach us how to walk in obedience. Lord, show me how to walk in obedience because we know we fall short. I fall short every single day. Lord, teach me to walk in obedience that you call me to. I'm reminded of Hebrews uh, chapter 4, 14 through 16, where it talks about the great high priest. We have this great high priest who understands it all. He understands the highest of highs in our life and the lowest of lows and everything in between. He understands it all. 
and we are encouraged to approach, approach his throne of grace with confidence. We get to approach him with anything and everything, with that confidence, with that boldness, knowing that he hears us, knowing that he understands. This is the God who we get to serve. I'm also aware that obedience to Jesus might not be popular in today's world, but as you can tell in Acts chapter 5, it wasn't very popular back then either, was it? It really wasn't. I'm, as I think about that and um, as I dove into this, I was reminded of Galatians 1.10 where it, where it says that if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Or Romans 12 where it talks about, hey, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. That's quite the call. I'd also like to mention that the boldness doesn't include anger and arrogance. Right? These disciples, you don't see them being just ridiculous and treating people terribly. No, they have a humility about them. There is humble obedience. 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16 reminds us to be prepared to give an answer for the hope within you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And I would say these disciples do that fairly well. I don't know if I could do that if I get thrown in prison. I don't know if someone's gonna beat me and flog me. I don't know if I could do that, but they do it. They have humble obedience. What a great example. So the action, and I just talked about prayer. So obedience can and will happen as we pray and seek him. And then the second one, and I know you talk about often, is opening our Bible, right? Opening our Bible and actually reading it. All of us have excuses. I know that we're busy. I know that we're tired. I know there's all kinds of things going on because I make the same excuses too. But man, we get to... I don't know, there's probably zero people in this room who have been persecuted yet, maybe whether it's little to none, uh, persecuted yet for opening your Bible and read it, right? There are a lot of countries that do and they have to hide it. But when we get free access to the Bible every single day, we get access to know and understand who Jesus is and what he's done. We get to know this God even more by opening his word. Learn the word, know the word, teach the word. There's a lot of great resources out there. A lot of great resources, right? And you would say that, but nothing will ever replace your Bible. Nothing. So grow deep roots in the faith. Stand firm even when others don't or when they choose differently or when they, they speak against you because they know that you read your Bible. And really the reality is, is if we're following Jesus, our life should look a little bit different, right? Our life should look different as we read the word. And man, we, and it's, once again, it's not arrogance, it's humility, but we get to shine the light of Christ and that should look different than the world. And so as we, as we pray, as we dive into the word, then we get to proclaim the name. Pray, be in the word, and proclaim his name. Be bold and watch what God will do in you and through you. And of course, proclaiming the, game, proclaiming the name is underneath that category of boldness, right? Pray for boldness. So we pray for obedience, pray for boldness, pray for courage, pray, seek the Lord. There are way too many times when I'm guilty of, I got this. My own strength, my own wisdom, Right? In ministry, easy to forget, right? I'm just going from one thing to the next, meeting with the next person, doing the next Bible study, but have I really given that to the Lord? Am I really relying on him? Or is that my own strength and wisdom? But we too can pray for boldness to share the gospel in a city, a country, a world in need of the name above every single name. There are people that we talk to every single day, people that you and I rub shoulders with who need to hear the truth of the gospel who need 
to hear, maybe for the first time, about the hope, peace, and life that's found only in this Jesus. But guess what? Reminded too in 1 Corinthians where it says, hey, we, we plant and water seeds. I'm going to plant some seeds of the gospel. I might even water seeds of the gospel or someone else might water them. But who's in charge of changing the heart? Not this guy, but it's God. And God is faithful. And it always takes, you know, we have loved ones in our life. Me too. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. A lot of loved ones who we want, we want them to know Jesus yesterday. And it hasn't happened yet. But God, by his grace and over time, right, it never goes as fast as what we want it to. But keep planting seeds and the prayer would be that God will eventually transform their heart. And so let that be an encouragement to us. Is like, and it's not on us to change a heart, but God, by his grace, will do it. And then beyond that, it's not about our fame and recognition, but it's to put his power and glory on display. And that is a beautiful thing. And, and then within that, I'm not, I'm not going to stand up here and say that you're going to experience all kinds of miracles and healings. It's possible. Maybe. But even if you don't, God is still at work and doing incredible things. I am saying, though, that there are blessings when you choose obedience. And that, the blessing may be simple things like the growth that happens in your faith. When you pray and when you seek and when you read the word and when you continue to proclaim his name, there's going to be growth. That's a pretty darn incredible blessing. You may experience the joy that's found in Christ or the boldness to speak his name, the peace that surpasses all understanding, or the courage to serve and love well. That in itself is a pretty incredible blessing. And also the reminder that obviously it's not you and it's not me, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit through you when you've put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so as you pray and as you read your Bible and as you share and proclaim, the also the encouragement will be to not do it alone, to do it with each other, right? And I know Aaron talks about that. I know there's groups. I know there's men's groups and women's groups and there's kids groups and stuff, but to walk arm in arm with each other we get to be a body of believers. We're not called to walk alone. Within that, of course, there's the encouragement and there's the accountability. Um, what a beautiful thing when Christians come together. And then there's also the reality, like sometimes it's a little bit scary. Obedience can be a little bit scary. Obedience can stir in us this feeling of being uncomfortable, right? It's like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know. That seems really scary, so I'm just going to not do it. But once again, we serve the God who created the universe. We serve the God who we see answer prayers in this section. Can it be done? Yes, it can be done because of him, not me. And so there might even be times when we feel convicted. And I get convicted too, because as I was diving into this, and as I see the obedience of these, these uh, disciples, I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> Man, I need to step up. Lord, what are you calling me to? What am I not being obedient in? So I feel the conviction too. But the beautiful thing about obedience is that it forces us to rely on his power and grace. And that's what makes following Jesus pretty exciting, right? Following Jesus is exciting because it's him. He takes us on, an, on this adventure by his grace and his power, not anything that I do, right? I get to choose to walk in obedience. And then we get to experience the blessing and obedience, the, the, the blessing of obedience and the cross is enough, and we sing about the cross and what's been done on the cross, but by God's grace, he gives us blessing, and that is a beautiful thing. And so in closing, I want to remind us a little bit of um, these. I'm, I'm going to sort of read the end of chapter 5, and, and I'll close down here in just, in just a couple minutes, but um, 
you know, first off, we need to be reminded, right, where it says at the end that if, if it is of God, you will, not be able to, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even be found fighting against God, it says. So I'm in verse 39, and they were persuaded by him. And then after they called in the apostles and had them flogged, they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and release them. Then they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of the name. Every day in the temple and in various homes, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And I already know you read in earlier in Acts when you talk about these men being really uneducated, right? They're, they're, not, they're not special. They don't have any really different gifts than, than me and you if you're a follower of Christ. They're not necessarily pastors or leaders in ministry. They're not some famous person, right? They're normal people. And yet as they get flogged, there's joy because of Christ. And they choose obedience regardless of what everyone else is saying. They know that their life could be on the line, but they choose obedience. So as we finish Acts 5, what a joy it is to read about God's power and the boldness of these disciples. But what a beautiful picture of obedience. And that's what I hope you hang on to is the obedience. And so it's those questions of, hey, what areas of your life are you already seeing blessing and obedience? Because rejoice in that. Rejoice in those areas where like, oh, man, there has been blessing in that. Or I do get to feel the joy of the Lord. Or I am feeling encouraged. Or coming here, showing up this morning, right? We get to be encouraged. Like that is an incredible blessing. That's a small step of obedience. You got out of bed this morning and you got here. That's encouraging. But then the other side of it is, hey, where are you not being obedient? Where are you not being obedient right now in this season of life? What area of obedience is God calling you to? And the encouragement, the challenge would be to not ignore it. Don't ignore that. Confess the sin if it needs to be confessed and allow God to refine you and grow you and then begin the joyful journey of obedience to the God who will do far greater things than we can ever ask or imagine. As we look outside at night, right, we get to see, catch a small glimpse of the universe, right, to even being here today, right? It's a miracle that we're here. We get breath in our lungs. This God who we get to serve will do far greater things than we could ever ask or imagine. Let's take steps of obedience because of who he is, because of what's been done on the cross. With that, let me pray. Lord, um, I just think of the end of chapter four. Or consider what's going on in the world around us and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And so, Lord, what a joy it is to open your word today. We need you. We need reminders of your power. You are still the God who answers prayers. You are the God who does greater things than we can ever ask or imagine. And so, Lord, we do pray for boldness, but I pray that you would help us to see the areas where we need to take steps in obedience. Lord, you call us to obedience. But what a joy it is because of who you are and what you've done. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you continue to do great things in and through this church. I pray that you would raise up men and women who are bold in the faith, who continue to take the gospel to their workplaces and to the different parts of the world and that you get all the glory. God, I pray that as we wake up each new morning that we would be thinking of you. I pray that we would be delighted in you and in your word. And that by that, by reading your word, Lord, we would just continue to be encouraged and have the courage to, to stand firm in the faith regardless of what the world around us does. 
thank you. To you be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.